Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Book Riot podcast is brought to you by Book Riot Insiders. Bag your bookish perks with a 14-day free trial of Book Riot Insiders. Sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription, and the first 14 days are free. You can wishlist upcoming releases you're dying to read, get exclusive podcasts and newsletters, enter to win swag, and check out our new release index curated by fellow Book Rioter and all the books host Liberty Hardy. It'll help you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. So come on in. Your bag of bookish perks is waiting. Go to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more. That's bookriot.com slash insiders. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and we're talking about in the world of books and reading. Well, that's what we normally do, but that's not today. We'll get to that in a minute. This is episode 288. We're recording on Sunday, November 25th. At about negative 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, I'm Jeff <laughs> What O'Neill. were we thinking? I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. <laughs> oh, this is a foolhardy endeavor. Well, you know, we want to get the show out for Mondays. I was off most of last week. I mean, I was off all of last week except for Thanksgiving, in which we were all off. Um, mm-hmm. we were traveling in Los Angeles with my family. And we're like, well, we could do it Sunday morning rather than try to do it Monday and be late. And so anyway... Our Here pain is only to serve you, the listener, um, really. This was, I past Jeff and Rebecca had like some good hubris going yeah. that you were going to come back from vacation and there's a new puppy in my house right. and so sleep is, you know, not happening very well here um we were like yeah sure early sunday morning that'll be fine well and usually the weekend is okay to do but thanksgiving yeah. weekend is especially it feels like you're really coming out of a deep uh recess from it's work like the sundayest life. sunday it is today, which... well thanksgiving weekend is the sunday of the year try that one that's on for true size. that's true oh. sunday of the year so anyway we're doing it. we'll be fine yeah, our lives are not hard we're talking we to microphones on the internet we'll be okay um <laughs> So here we go. We're going to do two weeks of holiday recommendation show. There is a chance, albeit a slim one, I don't use albeit very often, uh, if you still have a recommendation or question you'd like to send to us, email us podcast at bookrack.com. Um, we've got quite a few, but there's a chance we get through some more for the next show. We'll see how far we make it today. Um, let us know. All right. Here Let's we go. You want to read first? Okay. Uh, you wanna I will. Up? Okay. Our first question is from Sarah. Hello, Jeff and Rebecca. Hi, Sarah. I'm the only big reader in my family, but last year I made it a point to give everyone books because they're always saying how they wish they read more. I'm on set for books, or I'm set for books from most everyone, but stuck on my brother-in-law, brother, and dad. I think history is a solid bet for all of them. Last year, I gave my brother and brother-in-law a history of, a history of the world in six glasses, and they were both excited about it, and I gave my dad Nick Offerman's woodworking book. Any interesting history wrecks you have or good books about practical things would be fantastic. All right. This is like straight to your wheelhouse, so I think you should start. Oh, okay, sure. Um, You know, for some reason, I didn't go straight to... Well, Stuff Matters by Mark... Oh, I never said his name out loud. Miodonik, as always. There will be links to all in the show notes of the books we talk about. But if you just search for Stuff Matters, you'll find it. Basically, it's a micro-history, not unlike a history of the world in six glasses, but each chapter is organized around a material of some kind. Um, The ones that stick out in my memory are the chapters around stainless steel and silicone. And so this is the kind of thing where if you like history, you like synthetic histories, is kind of what I call them, where you look at a whole range of issues related to a specific thing. So that's kind of what the world in six glasses was. This you'll like. It's very similar in this regard. But the silicone one, I'll, I'll relate it here shortly, just give you a little taste. So if it weren't for a American craze for billiard tables, we may not have computers, right? Because, uh, and, I'll, and I'll trace it for you, and this is the kind of one that, this is the kind of thing that Mark Miodinak does for each chapter is, 
So there was a craze for billiard tables in America, I think in the 18th century, 19, early 19th century. I can't quite remember. But uh, running out of ivory, the original pool balls were made out of ivory, which now is bad because we care about animals. Then it was bad because they killed too many, and they were like, we're all out of ivory, and we can't make any billiard tables. So um, the, the biggest billiard company in America at that point uh, put out and put in newspapers a $10,000 bounty, which was a lot of money then. For anyone who could come up with a new substance that could replace ivory in billiard balls. And, you know, a crazy dude who tried a bunch of things came up with silicone, uh, manufactured silicone in an effort to get it. Um, and it worked pretty well, except apparently if every now and again, when you smack the pool balls together hard enough, they would explode, which is very exciting, but very bad for pool. But it was an interesting enough a new product that um, in the, you know, I guess if you were a materials interested person, you find you track these kind of developments. A young man named George Eastman became interested for his new photography business, which would become Eastman and Kodak, um, which now is completely gone and destroyed by the next thing Silicone created, which was the microchip as we know it. So you get a lot of history, you get nice anecdotes. My favorite anecdote from that chapter is not anything about to do with silicon, but um, apparently English sailors would go into harbors in Baltimore and New York and they'd bring their own pool cues with them. And the English would put little bits of felt on the end of their pool cue where the American dummies were just using like wood end, you know, naked wooden end mm. show title. Um, and so our, so that they, the English could put spin on the ball. And so our phrase to put some English on something, which means to put a little spin or a little fancy comes from English sailors playing pool in the 19th century. So there you go. This is, that's a lot of hey did you know all in one. Yeah, I know. So that's the kind of thing you will get. And now you can have that anecdote and put that into your uh, quiver of barely interesting anecdotes that you all can use <laughs> in a variety of circumstances. So that's Stuff Matters by Mark Miaudinick. Another one is a little bit of a, it's, it's a personal one in this regard. It's called A Nation Forged by Crisis by Dr. J. Sexton. Um, and he takes He's, a, he's the director of the Constitutional uh, Center, the Center for Constitutional Democracy at the University of Missouri. And the book is short. It's about 190 pages, but it, it, each chapter talks about a moment when uh, the American project was in crisis throughout time and how, how it happened, what was at stake, how it came to be resolved, was it resolved. Um, you know, just in case you're interested in things like constitutional crises, no real reason to bring this up at this particular <laughs> historical moment. Um, but it's a good read. He's an academic writing for a general uh, public, and he's my college roommate. Um, oh, and he I went was on, waiting for the personal Yeah, part. and he went on to be a Marshall Scholar at uh, Cambridge and taught at Cambridge for 15 years, American history, and recently came back and uh, took the chair over there at uh, University of Missouri. And it's a nice, it's a good book for people who want some historical uh, rigor, but you don't want to read an academic book. Right, so it's like it's a mm -hmm. it's a scholar mm -hmm. writing for a general public, which is my. F I like that. I like scholars I like trying to write too. for a general public. I also like popular authors trying to be more rigorous. So I like swimming against this. I like salmon. The salmon of writers is what I like. Is what <laughs> people try to do what they're not really doing um, very well. I haven't brought a fishing metaphor back in. Oh um, boy, a nice uh, angle <laughs> on that one. Um, oh, anyway. It's early, Rebecca. I'm go. sorry. The filter, the thing that <laughs> the thing that kicks in late is the filter, not the brain. See, that's the problem. The coffee has not reached. Hasn't, the filter it hasn't yet. worked in. So that's a nation forged by crisis by Dr. J. Sexton, out now from Basic Books. Again, it's nice and short. So um, it's so it's. I, I don't mean that because long books are bad, but it's if it's intimidating to do kind of uh, more serious history, yeah. I would recommend those. So those are my two. All right. I've got a couple. Um, a History of the World in Six Glasses sent me straight to yeah. How We Got to Now by Stephen Johnson, which is six innovations that made the modern world. And each chapter is about um, something kind of like the, you know, you develop billiard tables and then mm. centuries <laughs> later you have right. silicon and, and uh, computer chips. Um, so he talks about refrigeration, clocks, um, eyeglass lenses and a few other cold. things. That kind cold of like, sticks out to me, how we invented cold. Yes, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And like, here's a thing that we discovered. And um, along the way, here's a bunch of other stuff related to it. Like, um, you know, we have 
refrigeration and this leads to air conditioning mm-hmm. and air conditioning leads to humans being able to migrate into and like set up lives in parts of the world that we could not comfortably set up lives previously so like now you can live in dubai or phoenix more easily um, or with you know the modern comforts that um that you would want there was a six-part series on pbs um so if you end up like not going with the book but you want to point these guys towards mm-hmm. something that that they could watch but i i love stephen johnson for that line between like it's filled with facts it's really really well researched but um like he trusts his readers to be smart, but he's not trying to prove how smart he is. Yes. I really like that. Um, that when authors can it. walk that line. Um, if these guys are progressive leaning, and I'm just making some assumptions about the general core of this podcast <laughs> and who your family well, might yeah. be, but um, if they're progressive leaning or interested, like you know, if you were considering the Nation Forge by Crisis one that Jeff mentioned, um, I really liked Yes, We Still Can by Dan Pfeiffer. In the I've been reading all the Obama staffer books this year, and this one um, is part memoir, but leans really heavily on history of um, the Obama administration, also how we got up to the Obama administration, and then um, things that occurred in the Obama administration and into the 2016 election. And he, I think, takes a really clear eye and practical look um, at electoral politics, at what was going on in the country, at places that the Obama administration could have done things differently. Um, And it's just a, it's very, um, it's hopeful, but it's not like a false hope kind of situation about um, sort of the state of politics now. And I I always appreciate when folks come out of such a big deal kind of professional moment as being one of Obama's closest advisors, like Dan Pfeiffer was, to take an honest look and talk about mistakes. Um, And he does that really well. And then for a little bit of a different swing, but like nothing is more practical than knowing how to cook for yourself. Mm. Salt, fat, acid, heat by Samin Nosrat, which um, is a wonderful, it's just a wonderful cookbook. And the Netflix series is excellent, but the cookbook has a big chapter on each of these four elements of cooking and explains the science of how, um, what salt does to food, what fat does for flavor, how you balance things with acid, and then how applying different kinds of heat and for, of course, different amounts of time um, helps us make the foods that we make. It's just packed with like, if you have always wanted to understand why a recipe is constructed the way that it's constructed, and then that also allows you to reverse engineer or improvise more effectively in the kitchen of like, oh, well, you know, I don't have lime juice, but I need something that's a little Mm. acidic in this dish. What else could I put in? Um, which I'm not a natural improviser in the kitchen. So reading all like reading all of that was really wonderful and the recipes are terrific. But um I think that's it's a great like it's not a you don't have to be an advanced cook. She assumes that she's teaching you things from the get-go um and it's just packed with great information. So that's salt fat acid heat. Good. All right, let's move on. From Evelyn right. or Evelyn if they're up. British, I guess. Uh, My sister is a wonderful elementary school teacher whose favorite reading genre is what I like to call effed up people doing effed up things. That's, that's, I mean, that's as good as any. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Think Gillian Flynn and nonfiction about mothers who sold their children to serial killers for cigarettes. I do not want to think about that, but I get this. She isn't going to want I appreciated that turn of She phrase. isn't going to want to read a ton of backlist because she needs to be able to recommend it to her friends and she also doesn't have a ton of reading time so we can't be talking about anyone's 600 page true crime magnum opus. I know this isn't very Christmassy, but it's what she likes. So what should I pick up for her? Why don't you go first this time, Rebecca? All right. You know, I think the spirit of the holidays is giving the people the things that they That's want. That's right. So you don't have to. You don't have to be Christmassy. Don't Santa you worry, Claus Evelyn. wears a blood suit. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> let's just admit that's what that thing is. Well, that was a real failure of the filter. <laughs> if your kids are in the car, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my first pick this week. Nobody to my reading mind, does effed up people doing effed up things as elegantly as Megan Abbott. And her newest book, Give Me Your Hand, is just perfect. Um, It's about two women in their, I believe they're like in their mid-30s in the present day of the book. They're both at the top of their professions. They work in research science, and they were friends in childhood until one of them told the other one, a really dark secret. 
that changed their friendship, but it's a thing that has always, you know, hung between them and lived between them. They lost touch and they come back together by surprise um, in their professional lives. And it seems that this secret is still part of it and that the woman who did the thing related to the secret when they were kids is maybe still up to some very sinister things oh. um it's it's a great it's just a great suspenseful book if your friend likes gillian flynn they're gonna like megan abbott and um on top of it there's a really like edgy feminist perspective to all of her books um without like not in a preachy way but um this one the thing that the women happen to be researching is um base is pms essentially and like women who have very severe pms and like talking about the fact that there's not a lot of research that exists in the mm-hmm. real world about um, this thing that happens to most women most months of their lives um, or that could um, we don't we just don't understand it well enough and that it affects women in very real ways that this is not a joke um, and so these women are embroiled in this research that feels very important and like it could be groundbreaking and it'll change the way that the world takes women and women's bodies seriously and also these women are v- potentially very bad and have very dark secrets um, it's it's really excellent. I read it in one sitting. Um, and my other pick, which is a little bit of a slow burn in a in a way that I found really pleasurable, is A Separation by Katie Kitamura. And it came out, I think, last year. Yeah, I think um, so. so not like brand new, but it was it wasn't like a huge book. So your friend might not have I, I think read I about still this. I feel like I'm still seeing it uh, like propped up on recent favorite okay. kinds of tables. So, so you know, it's, it's it's in the ethos of, of book yeah, people. Yeah, we'll bit, call so. it it, it, we'll call it still, yeah. still fresh. Yeah. Um, but it's about a woman who um, she and her husband have agreed to separate. He has been cheating on her for a long time, but they haven't told anyone that they've separated. And she finds out that he has gone missing in a remote part of Greece. So she agrees to go looking for him, but she's still keeping the secret that they're actually not together anymore. And she's not even sure that she wants to find him. And the search leads to some things, and she makes some discoveries. <laughs> How to talk about thrillers without yeah. talking about thrillers. And the things search happen. leads to euphemisms and vague. There you go. Things happen. Yeah. Um, it's surprising and great and, uh, you know, just nice and dark. I think it's a little lower on the effed up people doing effed up things scale. Like there's not um, there's not like real shocking behavior yeah. on the page, but the writing is really, really terrific. And it was a very surprising read. Cool. Um, I get to, I got this one in first. I found the first <sighs> place I could slip it in. Uh because I was, I was like, where am I going to recommend Bad Blood by John Carreyrou? And here it goes. Um, so here's here's my pitch. So it's look, I don't do violently gross books, so mm-hmm. I don't have any recommendations there. But I do like as our as our as our pal here at Book Riot, Jamie, has described it sort of um, nonviolent true crime. It's been a great year for nonviolent true crime. Um, dinosaur artist, feather thief, a couple other things. But I'm recommending Bad Blood for a couple reasons. One is it's page turner. Like you're going to rip oh, through man. it. Uh, it's it's a really fun read. You won't believe it's a, the true story of the rise and fall of Theranos, which was a startup founded by Elizabeth Holmes, who was a shockingly young woman, um, like tw- while still at Stanford, raising millions of dollars for her blood testing startup um, that may have never actually been able to do anything at all. And at one point was valued at more than a billion dollars, took nine figure investments from the likes of Rupert Murdoch. And as far as the book comes to, 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 to terms with, was essentially a scam. Uh, that couldn't really ever do much of anything. And the behavior of the executives at Theranos is as shocking as anything I've read in a book um, of late. It's beautifully researched. It is banana uh, pants. It is a wild book. And the other piece that I'm really lo- locking onto here is that she wants to be able to recommend it to her friends. Mm. And judging by the um, wildfire-like trajectory this book took within the Book Riot core, uh, this is my pick for that too, because it's one of those things you say, and here's another thing you'll say that you might this, cause this is what I thought, you know, uh, Jess, um, 
uh, here was the first one of us to read. She's like, I think she was the first one. And she said, you know what? Mm-hmm. You, you won't believe and you still won't believe, even if I tell no. you, you won't believe that you won't believe. And you won't believe me that it's such a page turner, but it is. Um, so Bad Blood, John Carreyrou, the page turniest book I read this year. Also, here's the other thing. I didn't realize this until after I had, had digested Bad Blood a little bit. One of the things I like about it, too, it's not just that it's not violent, but the victims are like giant corporate overlords and rich dirtbags. Right. So you don't even feel that bad about the bad behavior. Because they're not like scamming mom and Joes, you know, and like doing something terrible. Like the victims yeah, it's not were, like a Ponzi situation. Yeah, it was the victims were like Walgreens, in which, again, I don't, they shouldn't have done it, but it makes me feel a little bit better about delighting in the criminess of the true crime uh, <laughs> of this particular. So that's Bad Blood uh, by John Carreyrou. Uh, and also, that's uh, my Swiss Army wreck for the year, I'd say. You know, if you're looking for oh, something, yeah. just go pick this up. Um, you know, there you go. All right, Rebecca, why don't you do us a solid with a sponsor? This episode is sponsored by Park Row Books and Evergreen Tidings from the Baumgartners by Gretchen Anthony. A formidable matriarch goes to wild efforts to wrest back control of her family in this side-splitting dramedy set in the Midwest. Perfect for fans of This Is Where I Leave You and The People We Hate at the Wedding. It's delightful, surprising, and full of heart. Gretchen Anthony's Evergreen Tidings from the Baumgartners brings to life a sparkling cast of characters who struggle to understand one another, illuminates the unbreakable bonds of family, no matter how dysfunctional they can get. Evergreen Tidings from the Baumgartners is published by Park Row Books and is available now wherever books are sold. It was named a Best Books of Fall 2018 selection by Pop Sugar. Kirk has called it a stunning debut, an intricately satisfying story about love and understanding that is full of both nostalgia and surprising optimism. It's a great holiday gift book, so pick up Gretchen Anthony's Evergreen Tidings from the Baumgartners wherever books are sold, or click the link in our show notes. All right. From Heather, two part recommendations, so we'll take them one at a time. Here is part the first. My husband grew up with reading being a punishment and not an avid reader as an adult. However, he loves fantasy, Harry Potter, superhero comics, etc., and has expressed an interest in reading more but doesn't know where to start. Often when we watch shows adapted from books, Game of Thrones, for example, he wants to know what's different in the adaptation, but the size of the book like Game of Thrones is a bit intimidating. And also, it doesn't fulfill O'Neill's razor, so I think he has the right instincts for not yet dipping into Game of Thrones. Kudos to him. Um, So my quest this year is to find a shorter fantasy with the film adaptation to gift him. So after reading, we can watch the movie and discuss. Any suggestions are greatly appreciated. All right, you're up first. Okay, so I just missed the film mention here and went to adaptation. So these are TV series. Um, I hope your husband likes TV as well. I'll allow it. my thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, my first pick is the Magicians series by Lev Grossman. Um, has a lot of fantasy elements. Also has a lot of nods and winks back to other great um, fantasy series and classic characters. Sort of like canonical fantasy all gets a little bit of a mention throughout the Magicians, and it was adapted. Man, I think it was for the Sci Fi Channel. Yeah. Um, to it bounced around from networks. I'm pretty sure it's airing on Sci Fi, but they've run a few seasons of a really terrific adaptation. Um, take some departures from the book, so that does make for really interesting uh, discussion of, you know, what's the same and what's different. I think it ages the characters a little bit. They're a little bit older, um, in the TV show, but, um, the books are fun. They're not long. There are three of them. The series is complete. So it satisfies. Razor. Um, and if your husband has been reading fantasy for a long time or even just for a little while, he's going to, I think, enjoy picking up on the references. That's one of the really fun parts of the series. So there's that one. And then this other one is one that I don't have personal experience with, but it's James S.A. Corey's Expanse series. These books are bigger. There are many of them. Um, and it was on, it was also made into a TV series, I think maybe also for the mm-hmm. sci-fi channel. I believe so. Um, 
Bob got hooked on this series a couple years ago when it was airing and then um, went back and started reading the books. And he said they move pretty quickly. So they're big books, but they do move. And I believe that the series has moved over either to run on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Um, so that's going to continue. But I've heard that and those are like set in outer space. So it's it's more on the sci-fi end of things um, than fantasy. But I've had several friends who have enjoyed reading the books. Um, and I've watched somebody devour the TV series in my household. So I think that's a it's a good shot. That's been on my list to watch for a while. I heard wonderful things about this series. I'm not sure I knew it was based on books, so that's interesting there too. Mm -hmm. I just checked as well, and The Magicians is streaming on Netflix, so that makes it easy mm. to get um, if you want to do that. My pick is I'm going classic that has a more recent adaptation, A Wrinkle in Time um, by Madeline L'Engle. Um, so there are a couple things, ticks a couple of boxes that the book is short. It's pitched more as a middle grade slash YA, so if he's not someone that's done a lot of reading, um, it's easy to get into. Uh, it's 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 an easier read. It's short, and there was a big budget giant um, Disney version that came out this year that is also available to stream on Netflix. And without giving any spoilers away about the book or the movie, I think it would make for an interesting discussion to compare the book Wrinkle in Time with the adaptation they did. There's also a couple more books in that series. I don't think I don't think the movie did well enough. I haven't heard about um, if they're going to be further installments in that series um, for this particular attempt at a reboot. Um, or not a reboot, it's because of the first adaptation. Um, but I think that's one where, again, you can compare it to a movie, but also it's kind of a teaser. And if he's into that one, then he can go ahead and read the rest of the series without having to have the book, uh, the movie's already been made. You can go read them on that's their, their own terms. So that's A Wrinkle in Time uh, by Madeline Langle. Um, you want to read the next one, I guess? Yeah. yeah. All right. So this is part two yes, from Heather. Part two. Um, my brother has vastly different political beliefs than me and really loves to talk through these opinions with me because in his online life, he's often inflammatory. Many others are not willing to engage in discussion with him. I appreciate that he wants to hear other sides and work toward common ground, but honestly, it's a bit exhausting. Are there recent, are there any recent nonfiction books that we could use to give our ongoing dialogue a bit more structure? Obviously something that is too left-leaning would be a turnoff for him, but I'd like to give him some resource besides me to see another point of view on social welfare issues. All right. You want to take the first one here? Yeah. Tricky. Um, brave, this I is should tricky. say, Heather, um, mm -hmm. to do this and um, valiant to, to, to continue this project with a family member. Um, I'm going Between the World and Me by Taniasi Coates, which again, this is this was all the rage a few years ago. Um, I think it has aged well in this regard, which the the setup, the structure of the book is really as as again, it's one of those things that I've thought about it more, was more clever clever sometimes clever sounds like a back. It was very um smart and subtly so to structure the book in the way it did, which is Coates wrote it as a series of letters to his son about his own experiences growing up black in America. And the issues he felt, the early death of one of his friends, his, writing about his own education um, from high school to Howard and as a writer and beyond. And the thing I think it would make good in this particular case is that Coates is making a case about systemic racism. In my experience with inflammatory internet j-holes, um, as it sounds like your brother might be, but let's just, let's say he is for the moment, is it's diff it, it often makes it easier to, to hear a different opinion if it's in the first person where you're talking about your own experience because it's hard to argue with someone's experience, right? <laughs> and secondly, he Coates is it's he's he's writing to his son about what it means to be black in America, especially a black man in America, and connecting their individual experience to systemic problems. And usually I find that if you can connect a specific example to a larger structure, someone's human experience as as but a, a manifestation, an individual manifestation of a, of a larger phenomenon, that can help people get um, a grips on a difficult subject. And it does, you know, that goes beyond this particular, like any situation. Find an example to see, use as a lens to see the broader phenomenon through. Coates is also a wonderful writer. Um, and also, I will say, not for nothing, it's short. So that if he hates it or finds it too inflammatory, well, at least it's over soon. Um, so that's my pick, Between the World and Me by Taniasi Coates. 
Yeah, there are so many places to go with this yeah. question because there's so much going on with social yes. issues. And I couldn't, I have not yet read something. So if you're listening to this and you have read something that sort of encapsulates a bunch of them, mm. I would love to hear about it. Podcast at bookriot.com. Um, so I picked a couple. Um, one of the, in, in my experience, um, these guys who are inflammatory online are often this way about women's experiences. Yeah. They don't understand why women are so angry all the time um, and what's going on with that. And so I think if he really is open to understanding not just what's going on now, but how we ended up in this spot, um, there's a one-two punch of Good and Mad by Rebecca Traster and Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper that are both about why women are so angry. Um, Rebecca Traster is a white woman, a longtime feminist writer. Brittany Cooper is a black woman. She is a scholar and she's doing the thing in Eloquent Rage of a scholar writing for yes. a lay, the lay person's audience. Um, and it's she does it just really wonderfully. Um, Good and Mad lays out a history of different women's movements and how anger has been the catalyst for change um, that makes not just women's lives better, but um, Traster would argue and I would solidly agree, everyone's lives better, specifically in the US. Um, but she does bring in some little bits of world history. And I think that if uh, you're a man in America who wants to know why all the women around you are so mad all the time, and why maybe now you feel scared about what you are and aren't allowed to say, mm -hmm. um, if you're really open to it, Good and Mad is the book um, to help provide some grounding there. And Eloquent Rage will add to um, why women, it's really why women of color um, are as angry as they are, and for all of the very good reasons that they are, but with, with grounding into um, historical movements, systemic racism, as well as systemic sexism, um, essentially what it is to be a woman, or especially a woman of color in a white supremacist patriarchal society. Um, but they both just lay out their own experiences and lots of pieces of history. Um, I thought that it's really wonderful. Um, and I was thinking also, Jeff, about kind of the same idea that you were expressing mm. about the Coates book, where it's hard to argue with someone's personal experience. Yeah. And Not That Bad is an essay collection mm. edited by Roxane Gay about um, women's experiences in rape culture. And those are, they're all first person essays about different things that have happened to women. Some of them are really difficult to read because they're very awful experiences. Some of them are about like this is quote unquote, like lighter parts of mm. you know, sexual harassment, like getting cat called on the street. But all of these are things that are harmful. Um, and I think sometimes men have a hard time understanding why these things are harmful. Like, why isn't it just a compliment? Or, well, it's not like this other worse thing happened to you. So why are you upset about the thing that did happen? Um, it's not that bad. That's a really nice collection um, with a bunch of different voices that ground, you know, current problems and long-standing problems in uh, in their personal experience. Um, and then one that Liberty recommended on a recent episode of All the Books um, for a different social crisis currently is American Overdose, The Opioid Tragedy in Three Acts by Chris McGreal. Um, and this is a little bit less of a – it's less overtly political, um, but looks at what's going on in – um, medical institutions, in corporate structures, and in particularly um, struggling parts of the country, um, impoverished parts of the country, poor people, um, many of them are poor white people that are um, addicted and dying um, from opioid painkillers. So that's one as well. Um, yeah. The real, uh, one thing that just occurred to me as, as you were talking about Not That Bad, one thing you might mm. consider, Heather, is reading Not That Bad Yourself, if you haven't already, and just picking one of the essays. Oh, smart. So yes, like, there's like one that. that you would like to talk with them about, you know, you, you could photocopy it or send him a, you know, send him a dog-eared one. So uh, it's a little bit easier maybe for him to, to, to tackle that one. Also, one that might be especially interesting for him uh, to see how he reacts to. It's another slim book, but uh, Men Explain Things to Me by Rebecca Solnit. <laughs> yes. I think that would be... Um, <laughs> Uh, a good read. If you read. can get him past it, I don't know. Maybe you put it in, uh, you know, uh, put Sports Illustrated or something on the cover and fake him out. But basically, it's seven. It's a sh another short book. It's seven essays where Solnit writes about the um, what I'm told is f the familiar female experience in America of having men explain things to women. Um, and I'm guessing by the oblique reference you've made that he is perhaps a uh, purveyor of this particular. 
anti-pattern in male discourse. Um, that was euphemism. Yes. <laughs> I, I am nothing if not a generator of uh, circuitous locutions. All right, Rebecca, why don't you do us a sponsor? Support for today's show comes from Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Just take Care Of's fun online quiz, which asks you about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices, and find out in five minutes what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. Then your vitamins get delivered right to your door in personalized, easy-to-remember daily packs. It's perfect for a busy, on-the-go lifestyle. There are also vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs and your monthly subscription box can be easily modified at any time. It is so easy to go online and take care of's website, quiz, check out the products and the individual packets to help you meet whatever your health goals are, whether you just want to feel better or you're controlling weight or you know anything. They really have options for just about everything. For 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter book riot. That's takecareof.com and enter Book Riot for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Um, every year I love giving, this is from Aaron, every year I love giving my family and friends one or two books I think they will enjoy as Christmas presents every year. I have a hard time coming up with ideas for two people on my list. The first is my sister-in-law. She's not a big reader, so I always try to get her something that I know she will enjoy or she has an interest in. She, she, has an, uh, she is an animal lover, dogs mostly. And last year I got her The Art of Racing in the Rain, and she really enjoyed that and enjoyed Marley and Me. Do you have any book recommendations for her? Five alarm snot bombs are okay. Thank you for using our, our lexicon. Only if the dog dies of natural causes. Oh, that's an interesting twist on, um, mm, on that. Mm -hmm. But could you please warn me so that I can warn her? I don't have a great one, so Rebecca, you have to do the, okay. the lion share yeah, of this work. I think on this show last year, I recommended Afterglow by Eileen Miles and was like, I'm sorry that you don't want books about dogs dying, but this is a book uh, about a okay. dog dying. So you you like, plug, is, replug that, backlist. Right? I'm replugging that. It's a it is a five and a half. Like, it's the mm. snot bombiest snot bomb, but it's a memoir about saying goodbye to a dog that she had rescued when it was a puppy and that she'd had for like 15 years or something like a really long time and this dog had seen her through um a lot of life it's that's a great book man it's sad um my one true love mary oliver has a book of poems called dog songs that are all about dogs and some of them are wonderful and light and you know evoke like the happiness of a dog running through a field in the springtime and some of them are sad and are about the end of a dog's life but um somebody who loves dogs dog songs is a pretty like that's a pretty straight shot um and then i had to do a little digging because i like i do not like a snot bomb book mm -hmm. about or you know like um, i don't want to be surprised by the snot bomb about dogs i'm not seeking out fiction about dogs my heart can't take it um but the internet seems very happy about lily and the octopus by stephen rowley um and it's compared to the art of racing in the rain um so I'm going to cross my fingers there. It's about Ted, who is a gay, single, struggling writer, and he's unable to open himself up to intimacy, except through the steadfast companionship of Lily, his elderly dachshund. Now, Lily's health is compromised, and Ted vows to save her by any means necessary. Um, so the blurb says, Lily and the octopus reminds us how it feels to love fiercely, how difficult it can be to let go, and how the fight for those we love is the greatest fight of all. I'm almost crying just reading that description. Oh, God, I didn't um, mute you for a second. But, whew, but for somebody who likes Marley and me, like if you can hang with Marley and me, you can mm. probably hang with Lily and the octopus. Um, I'm just going to guess. So those are mine. Um, I don't have one, but it did bring to mind a book I just need people to know about because it's so it's such a weird thing. And I know this is maybe a more general, a more specific general recommendation to the wider Book Riot podcast audience. Uh, it's called Flush, a biography by Virginia Woolf. And not many people know about this, but she wrote a sort of fiction, nonfiction blend biography of Elizabeth Barrett Browning's Cocker Spaniel, whose name was Flush, and used it to write a stream of consciousness critique of life in the city in the early 20th century. You and I both love interesting messes. This is a yep. fascinating mess. 
So if you like, you know, you like to go back and read classic authors and want something a little bit different and also like dogs and modernist critiques of urban life, uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. Though I, I have to say with great sadness that I really wish Vir- she would have used the opportunity to go to write by her pseudonym Virginia Woof, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, title. Yeah, so, and uh, there we go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Flush by Virginia Woolf. Not a pick for your friend, Heather. Is it, are we still on Heather? Yeah, um, but a, a pick for those. I just need you guys to know that that exists. Virginia Woolf's you know, uh, biography of Elizabeth Browning's Cocker Spaniel. It's one of my dirty little book person secrets that I've never read Virginia Woolf. And I've hit a point in my reading life where it's like, I'm kind of fine if I never do, but yeah. this might be the thing that turns me. I, it would be an unusual angle entry point for Virginia Woolf to start <laughs> it with. It might flush. be my only point. Yeah, it might be the only one. Um, all right, so I'm up next, it looks like. Okay. Oh, it's Heather. Oh, no, Aaron had two. I'm sorry, we just didn't, we broke mm-hmm. it in two. That, yeah, those were yeah, both. Those were both Aaron, excuse me, um, not Heather. The second person on my list is my stepmom. Once again, not a big reader, but if I can find a book in her wheelhouse, yeah, pating, bingo mm-hmm. card, I know that she will read it and enjoy it. She's very artsy, arts and craftsy. She loves to sew and sew and paint and do random art projects around the house. Last year, I got her Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. Oh boy! Which is a serious book a, about that is a uh, big book. And, and I, you know, I never really thought of Leonardo da Vinci as arts and crafty, but he kind of is. <laughs> uh, she also loves pirates. <laughs> I want to be friends I with like your this. mom. She's, she reads about Leonardo. She's sewing stuff and wearing an eye patch. Um, she also loves pirates. So anything <laughs> in that area is also great. All right, you're up first. All right, I went to straight to pirates. Yeah, um, and so because your stepmom sounds awesome, uh, Cinnamon and Gunpowder, a novel uh, by Eli Brown. It's set in the early 1800s, and it's about a chef who gets kidnapped by a beautiful pirate, a lady pirate. Mm. Her name is Mad Hannah Mabbitt, and she tells him that he will stay alive as long as he can make a wonderful meal every Sunday from whatever the ship has on board, which is usually not much. Uh, So he's attempting to, he's just cooking stuff, trying to keep her happy so she doesn't kill him. So he does things like tea smoked eel and pineapple banana cider, and then realizes that um, Mabbit is also under siege. She's being uh, hunted by a privateer. And so there's like layers on layers of piracy stuff. But I just loved, you know, like gorgeous, ruthless lady pirate. And there's great stuff about food um, throughout the novel. It's just a lot of fun, um, really imaginative. And I hadn't read anything like it. And so that's Cinnamon and Gunpowder by Eli Brown. Lady Pirates. What an incredible title too, by the way. It's a great title. Um, I went arts and craftsy, but a little more um, naily and poundy, I guess, than, than arts and craftsy. <laughs> uh, Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Book came out a few years ago. Um, McLaughlin was a reporter at the Boston Herald or Globe, one of the Boston newspapers. A little unsatisfied with her life, saw an ad in a newspaper for uh, a woman carpenter, a female carpenter, wanting a new assistant. Um, said you didn't have to know anything about carpentry, but you know if you were, she would train you up, but you need to be able to work and be interested in doing it. McLaughlin met her, um, I guess got the job, surprisingly to her at least, got the job. And it's the story of her becoming a professional carpenter um, and learning about carpentry. So you learn a lot of, I, I always like this kind of thing where you get to learn the new taxonomy about you mm-hmm. know, all the things that go into a, a profession. There's an emotional core of this too, which is I think a little undersold, frankly, in the marketing copy for this book between Nina and her mentor um, becomes oh, an yeah. interesting relationship and a meaningful one. And I found very um, compelling to follow not only Nina's uh, McLaughlin's um, journey as a, a, a carpenter, but also this other woman is a wonderful character and, and very compelling Um and it's a nice, fascinating, warm-hearted book, um, mm. and but it also has some things you know that are practical, practical. Um, and carpenters, I, I bet pirates do have to do a fair amount of carpentry, wouldn't you say? On the high seas, <laughs> those things are made out of wood. 
So I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say this is basically exactly a book about pirates is what I'm trying to say. Um, that's <laughs> Hammerhead. Every book is a book about pirates if yeah, you try hard Yeah, if you try hard enough. Um, so that's Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin. Yeah. You know, well, that reminded me of Shop Class as Soulcraft by Matthew ah. Crawford, which is now uh, like eight or ten years old. Um, but if you're stepmom got down with walter isaacson like this is it's a little higher brow he's a philosopher kind of guy um mm. but she can hang with matthew b crawford if she read that whole da vinci biography um and it's about working with your hands and the value of making things rather than sitting around or not as like not that sitting around and having ideas is not great, but right. um, the kinds of work that we do when we're actually producing something that we can look at. And someone who likes to do stuff around the house and make arts and crafts can probably relate to um, the satisfaction of having created something where there was nothing, but also a philosophical um, kind of exploration of why is it that we make things with our hands and why do, why is it something that we kind of feel the need to do um as humans it's a really that's a good perennial um favorite of mine and i think that's probably worth a look here for stepmom too also if anyone knows any book out there about someone who quit their job to be a professional embroiderer needle pointer weaver i would read that i've not seen one but that's that would be extremely like a biography of the first etsy millionaire that also i would do that any of the i would like um whatever that book would be. Let me do another sponsor and then we're going to get close to wrapping up here for today. Yeah. Our next sponsor this week is Bombus. Thanks to two years of research and development and multiple improvements in design, performance, and comfort, Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. You've heard me and Jeff rave about them. Bombas have an arch support system that provides extra support where you need it most and a cushioned footbed that's reinforced for comfort without added bulkiness. Bombas feel like a hug around your feet. They're comfortable inside running shoes, hiking shoes. There are more formal, you know, business kinds of styles. Whatever it is that you need, Bombas has a super comfortable sock for you. Not to mention, Bombas's stay-up technology ensures that your socks stay in place without leaving a mark. It's just awesome. And the super soft cotton material makes you never want to take them off. So whether you're a runner, a power walker, or a power lounger, and this is the season for that, there's a pair of Bombas that'll add comfort to your life. I have tried Bombas's no-show socks, the ankle socks. I've got a couple pairs of the crew socks, and all of them are just the most comfortable, and they fit comfortably inside my shoes. They don't slide anywhere. It's just awesome. And they come in fun colors, so you can feel a little funky while your feet are just staying perfectly cool, comfortable, and, you know, not funky. Go to bombas.com slash bookriot and use the code bookriot for 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash bookriot using the code bookriot and you'll get 20% off your first order. All right. Do a couple more. How are we doing here? I think we're doing okay. Yeah. We've got yeah, I think we got maybe two, two more, more in us. All in right. Us. Is this right. my read or so, your read? Where are we? I, I think it's my read. Okay. I've lost track. All I don't right. know what's happening. But this is from Heather. She says my mother is a nice white lady, trademark, <laughs> who isn't well versed on the issue of race or racism in America. I recently read The Blood of Emmett Till on your recommendation. Thank you so much, by the way. Not sure who of us said that, yeah. but all right. And shared some of the information that. from that book with her. She was amazed that this kind of vicious, violent racism against black Americans was happening as recently as 1955. She was the kind of person who said things like, why are black people so focused on the suffering of their ancestors? And thank goodness she heard me when I explained to her that the worst face of racism in America has shown itself way more recently than 1865. She's not a reader, but she's open to learning more about the recent history of racism against black Americans. And I want to encourage that willingness to learn. Please let me, let me know what I should read next on this topic so that both my mother and I can be better educated and equipped to be part of the solution, not the problem. Wow, Heather, this is a lot of work you're doing. And kudos. Yes. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah. So this is kind of um, the level up from the coats that I recommended earlier, because mm -hmm. you sound like your mom did that. Not that one, but the version of like, here's one that's uh, the thin end of the wedge into thinking more sophisticatedly and, and um, sophisticatedly uh, about race in America. So the master class for, in my opinion, I've never read a book better than this on races in America. 
um, won the National Book Award, Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America by um, Ibram X. Kendi, which it is, you know, people use life-changing, mind-altering, even for someone who's who's thought about race and studied race as part of my own education, still a, I don't know, I felt like my brain got turned into a canoe a little bit about how open, it was like, mm. it opened in a, in a serious, um, unalterable, painful even kind of a way, a necessary kind of a way. Um, but it, 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 this is an academic writing at the height of powers um, about a topic that for a long time has only simmered underneath of our meta understanding of American history is not just a subtext, but the text, you know, the sort of a Morrison idea is that race in America is not the subtext. It is the text by which to read America. And this makes as good of a case and incontrovertible a case, I would say to people with an open mind to, to true things. Um, couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, so that's my pick. It's, it's a wonderful, in that kind of, there's also that, you know, there's that wonder and you kind of amazed by something, right? There's wonderful has that you need to be amazed for something to be truly wonderful. And this is amazing. It's an amazing book, um, about, you know, the American story, which is racism. Um, so that's my pick. It's stand from the beginning by Abram X. Kendi. All right. My pick is so you want to talk about race by Ijeoma Oluo. And this is uh, written kind of specifically for folks like your mom, um, or people who are open to the conversation who want to learn, but who don't know um, really how to have the conversation or necessarily even um, have the vocabulary to begin doing that kind of work. And so if you're looking for um, sort of is not, you know, not like, dumbed down but for simple ways to explain these big concepts sort of um it's a primer right right direction yeah Yeah. a primer Primer. yes perfect word um my like personal thesaurus has not come all the way online this morning (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's really yeah yeah, it's really wonderful um ijiuma oluo is like she's very sharp she is very smart um she's also very funny and so the voice to the book is i thought just really terrific for um look here are some things that white people think about things or some questions that they might have and here are some answers to them um it will give you i think a lot of material to take to your mom um it's very readable and accessible. I know you said that she's not a reader, but that might be something to hand to her or to steal Jeff's idea from um, one of the previous questions. Maybe even just pick one chapter or a couple sections to highlight with her. Um, And then one that I think is just absolutely essential and that is relatively short, so she could read it, or I recommend listening to this on audio, Tears We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America by Michael Eric Dyson. Um, he is a sociologist. He's also a preacher. And th- it, this is literally a sermon that he wrote um, as a black man to white Americans to try to uh, express his experiences, to ground things in history, and to talk about um, you know what it is that white people need to understand about the Black experience in America, both historically and today. Um, I remember driving around listening to him. There's like a, a great two sentence, you know, why is it that we have Black Lives Matter and not all lives matter? Well, it's because when a white person gets pulled over by a police officer, you know, they're afraid, but they don't have to be afraid that the color of their skin is going to be the thing that gets them killed that day. Um, and this is a thing that Black people carry around with them every day in you know every routine traffic stop. So that's why. That's why it's Black Lives Matter. That's why um, we're having this specific conversation about these events that have been occurring. And there's just stuff like that throughout the whole. It's just maybe a couple hours on audio. It is a short little book, um, but that is worth listening to. It's worth um, giving to your mom for her to read or to listen to. And Michael Eric Dyson is just a wonderful writer and a very compelling speaker. You, It will take you to church. Um, and like that, it just lives right into what that book is supposed to be. Again, that's called Tears We Cannot Stop. I should say, too, that's a really great pick. And the audio book is, uh, uh, I, I haven't listened to that, but I now suddenly mm. need to go reread that yeah. on the audio book. Um, I should say, Stand From the Beginning is not a short book. It is, I think, 600 plus pages. And like a bunch of those are notes and things, but still, 
just be be forewarned um, that that's you know I think Rebecca's picks are probably better than mine for your mom in that regard, but it might be an interesting triptych, um, the three mm. of them together um, as a little um, happy Christmas mom. <laughs> Um, well, let's do Our, one more. Yeah. It looks like I've got the picture of this. this yeah, is my... I will. Uh, yeah, this one's a little outside my wheelhouse. So this is from Lisa. I'd love a recommendation for my 10-year-old daughter. She loves nonfiction, specifically history and science. And for fiction, she gravitates toward graphic novels and adventure stories. She's read and loved Harry Potter, Island of the Blue Dolphins, Esperanza Rising, the Smile Trilogy, Squirrel Girl, lots of I Survived and Who Was, Princess and Cleopatra in Space. Being mom of two girls i'd love something with a strong female lead all right jeff all right i've got three for you um again th- my son is seven and reads a little above so he's, i don't think he quite reads at your daughter's level probably at this point but these are books that um i've enjoyed with him so you know a little assist probably gets to something that a 10 year old could do by herself i didn't get here if you read along or what but you can decide for yourself so the first one this is just delightful um, I read them by myself initially, and now I'm going back through with my kids. Lumberjanes, yes. uh, comic book series created by Noel Stevenson, illustrated by others. It's been going, there's nine volumes now. They came out as single issues, but every volume I think collects between four to six single issues. And it's about a group of girls who are, I don't know, I never really get a sense they're like 10 to 12 or 13. They're not, they're, that seems right. They're like pre-pupeasant, but they're not third mm-hmm. graders. So I guess that's in the fifth to sixth, seventh grade range somewhere in there who are at um, Lumberjanes Camp, which is, you know, a scout camp, a wilderness camp, um, a, a zanier version of the Girl Scouts, I would say. And they yeah. have adventures in the woods at camp. That seemed it's kind of like the camp the lumberjane camp is at uh, built on a hellmouth to use Buffy the yes. vampire language like <laughs> that's exactly stuff what I just was comes thinking. out of the forest they have to deal with it <laughs> and they're funny they're brave they're delightful um, my kids laugh out loud routinely also follow the plot they love the characters um, w- young girls all all young girls given a chance to shine. Um, a really great book. It'd be, you would enjoy reading it along with it too. It's I should say it's a comic. I don't know if I've said that. It's a comic. Um, in the prose version, on the fiction side, there's a series by Cat Valente. Uh, the first one is called The Girl Who Circumnavigate, Circumnavigated the World in a Ship of Her Own Making. Um, it's about a young girl who you know is living her life and and the world as we know it. And one day, the green wind, in the form as of a gentleman dressed all in green, appears at her door and says, would you like to go on an adventure? Um, because we need your help. And this fairyland is, you know, it's, it's a fairyland in a traditional sense where it's outside of, but kind of connected to our world. But there, things are not well in fairyland. The Marquess, who's in charge, is not let's just say, doing what's in the interest of all the best, uh, the best interest of all the citizens of Fairyland. And it's just a wonderful adventure right in the, in the, the prime spot for a girl who likes to read fantasy, who likes a strong female character, who likes some zaniness and fun and wonder. It's a little bit like Alice in Wonderland meets the Golden Compass by Phil Pullman is kind of how I would pitch that. Um, but I think easier to read than either um and there's a series of books so if if she likes one she can explore the further adventures of the girl who circumnavigated the world in the ship of her own making i am actually surprised this book again i don't traffic you know i have young kids and so we know friends and so they're just aging into the group that might maybe maybe this is caught like wildfire among the Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 year old reading set but i'm i think it's wonderful i'd put it right up there with a wrinkle in time. And I, I, it's one of those things that I would be surprised, or if I had to put my money on something that would be a children's classic and be read by kids for 50 years from now. Um, oh. I think this is a really good chance to be that kind of a book. I just think it's wonderful. Um, that's that. And then the last one I had on the nonfiction tip, I'm getting this for my kids for this year. Um, it's the Atlas Obscura's Explorer's Guide for the World's Most Adventurous Kid. And if you don't know what Atlas Obscura is, well, it's a, it started as a website that 
basically wrote posts about weird and interesting places around the world. They have a really great book for adults just called Atlas Obscura, which, you know, each page has beautiful photographs about weird and interesting locations around the world. And this one is for kids. So it takes a hundred places of surprising, mysterious, and weird but true. Um, I'm using the copy to, to help me out <laughs> with my, because I, have, I haven't actually read it yet, but I've thumbed through it. Um, but it's a great way for kids to, ha- you know, kind of get some history and culture by, you know, y- you've been here, but they, there's a section on the, the glow warm caves of New Zealand where Rebecca has yes! been. Yes. So places like the that best. where they explain the science and history of these unusual places. Like South Africa's Boulder's Penguin Colony and why it's there and the lava lakes of Ethiopia. And just so you get you get some culture, history, sociology kind of sideways by these fantastical places that actually exist. So it sounds like your daughter has a little bit of that um, middle grade learner that likes interesting things. And this would be, you know, and it's also thumb, you could pick one or two just to look at every time. And um, she will also then be nudging you with, hey, mom, did you know? Uh, hey, mom, <laughs> did you know? Which is the best, the best, especially from a kid. So that's uh, the Atlas Obscura's guide for the world's most adventurous kid. Cat uh, Valente is the girl who circumnavigated Fairyland and the Ship of Own Making. And Lumberjanes, the series, start with volume one. Though there's also some standalone graphic novels and uh, a, a series of three standalone chapter books. But I would start with just volume one mm-hmm. of Lumberjanes and, and see how you go from there. I second the Lumberjanes emotion, just wholeheartedly. All right, that's part one. Okay. Is that part one? That's part one. That is part one. We're done. The sun is up. Look at that. <laughs> My puppy has been quiet for a whole hour. This oh, can't last much longer. Yes. That's, uh, we better get out of here. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one.